I would like to say good afternoon to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be a moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield Michigan class. This is a school and it is not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Ewell. And the vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in alphabet, <clears throat> excuse me, that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. 
He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or sign, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given among salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the class are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, 
skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by our vice president, Dr. Ronald Atkins, followed by our scripture, which will be Zechariah chapter four, verses six and seven, along with Matthew, the 27th chapter, read by Dr. Lauren Lewis. Dr. Atkins, may we have our prayer? I'd like to say good morning to the class. Good morning. May we bow our hearts and minds in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we do thank you once again for allowing us to assemble in this fashion, to learn of you as you really are and actually exist. Father, we truly thank you for this day. We want to continue to thank you for allowing us to learn of you, how you died, buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. Father, we ask that you continue to guide us and protect us. We ask all these things in your son, Yahshua, the Messiah's name. Let us all say, hallelujah. 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 I'd like to say good morning to the class. Good morning. And I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible, which is displayed on your screen. That's Zechariah 14. My apologies, Felicia, and six and seven. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear in some places and dark in other places of the world. But it shall be one day which shall be known to Yahweh, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that evening time it shall be light. Matthew's 24, excuse me, 27th chapter. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Yahshua to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. 
saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury, but it is the price of blood, excuse me, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Zechariah the prophet saying, so they weighed out as my reward the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave for them the potter's field as Yahweh had appointed. And Yahshua stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Yahshua said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witnessed against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Yahshua, which is called the Messiah? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Yahshua. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you, they said Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Yahshua, which is called the Messiah? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Joshua, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Yahshua into the common hall and gathered him, excuse me, and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed down the knee before him. 
and mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put him, excuse me, put his own raiment on him and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with the opiate. And with, excuse me, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots in fulfillment of that which was spoken by the prophet. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Yahshua, the king of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in three days, say thyself, if thou be the son of Yahweh, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in Yahweh. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of Yahweh. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was a darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Yahshua cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my El, my El, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, this man calleth for Elijah. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Yahshua, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks broke, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the sons which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city, excuse me, city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Yahshua saw the earthquake and all those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the son of the most high. And when the women were there beholding afar off, which followed Yahshua from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Miriam Magdalene, and Miriam, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. 
When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Yahshua's disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Yahshua. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Miriam Magdalene and the other Miriam sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, sir, we remember that thou Excuse me, we remember that thy deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day be passed. Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto this people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have watched, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting the watch. That was Zechariah 14, 6 through 7, and Matthew's the 27th chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Atkins, for the prayer, and Dr. Lauren Lewis for the scripture lesson. We want to once again welcome everyone out to our class today. We do hope you are edified. We want to acknowledge all our visiting brethren. We want to thank you for taking the time to visit with us to hear this beautiful gospel. And before we begin, we'd like to remind everyone to please be mindful of your, your video to keep it turned off and your microphones muted unless you're called on to speak. Our scripture readers for today will be Dr. Lauren Lewis and myself, Dr. Felicia Hamilton, and I think we may Dr. have- uh, Dr. Shirley Nelson, not me. Shirley Nelson, thank you. And for our first speaker, we're happy to call on to uh, give us um, their discourse is Dr. Sharon Lewis from our Southfield, Michigan class. Dr. Lewis? I would like to say good morning to everyone. And it is indeed a pleasure and it's a privilege to be able to speak about anything regarding my Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. I'm so very happy to be here today. I'm happy to have gone to the Chicago lecture. It was absolutely wonderful. Yahweh reveals like he always do. It was good to come together and to hear the things that Yahweh has shown us through by this divine vision and revelation, which was given to the founder of this school, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in 1931 in Springfield, Ohio. And Dr. Kinley was one man that had a divine vision accompanied by a divine revelation directly from the creator. It may be hard to believe, but it is true. And we come to understand after being in this class for any length of time, and we know the, the operation of Yahweh and being revealed his purpose and plan is that he's always worked through visions and revelations. 
He gave Moses a vision um, of, the, of the creation. He gave John on the Isle of Patmos a vision. And he gave the patriarchs and prophets visions. Not no strange thing that at the end of this age, he will give a man a vision of himself because other than that, we wouldn't know anything about him. I enjoyed the scripture reading. I enjoyed the prayer. Uh, this is a very significant day. It is Easter, of course, and the whole world is celebrating in, in one aspect or another. And I just want to be able to you know, share some of the things that Yahweh has given me as far as this, um, this particular holiday and uh, what he has shown me about the three days and three nights according to the scriptures, because that is something that the world is really confused about to this day. And if you turn on any uh, radio programs or Christian religion programs, they will confess it openly with their, with their mouth, that they are confused they, by the things that they say. So we have this Easter that's here that is one of the holiest high days actually for the Roman Catholic Church and also for Protestant alike, you know, and the worship of that. We didn't realize that it originated from paganism. See, you know, so this, this, this once again, the moderator has stated, this is a school, it is not a church. And we come down to know the things that has been revealed by Yahweh. And I just want to stop right here and pause just for a moment and say, you know, that I consider myself uh, not knowing anything about anything prior to coming to the school. And what the knowledge of this school has done for me is I, I feel and see within myself that it humbles me. It humbles me daily to know the things that Yahweh revealed to us. And those things that are being revealed are being shared through by the Holy Spirit. We're not taking them as account from this man or that man, but it is the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, if you can get for me in John, where it says he is the teacher, because we wanna give all credit to Yahshua, no man whatsoever. No, no knowledge, no understanding is on our own volition. It is what Yahweh has given us. Those that are here, maybe for the first time, those who are returning, those who've been here 40, 50 years, it doesn't matter. We're all children in Yahweh. He's going to reveal things to us that we never thought we would know. The things that we were taught in the world simply are not true about your creator from his name on. Very important things because Yahweh says that eternal life is to know him. And you can get that scripture for me as well. So we're not trying to make up nothing. We're not trying to show the smarts of one individual or the other. We want to give the credit to Yahweh through his son, Yahshua. I just want to make that declaration, if you would, because the things that are being told and the things that we have received are searchable, and they're searchable by the Spirit. You see, he will reveal them to us if we ask for that understanding. And when we go through the scripture, we see that he's always done that. 
to his son. So let me have that first scripture, please, if you would. That's John 14 and 26. Uh -huh. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, this is Yahshua the Messiah manifested in a physical body. That's when he walked in a body. For three and a half years, he did his ministry. He came on the scene and, and, and at the age of, um, uh, he came on the scene at the age of 30. And for three and a half years, he preached his ministry. And what he preached was his death, his burial, his resurrection. And he's telling his disciples at this point that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and the name of the Holy Spirit is Yahshua. The name of the Holy Spirit is not Jesus. Jesus never could have been his name because there was no J. You see, his name is and was at that time Yahshua. Can I have the other scripture, please? That's John 17 and 3. Uh, would you like me to start at 1? Go ahead. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true El, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Okay, so eternal life is to know that Yahweh is the only true Elohim and Yahshua the Messiah whom he has sent. That's important for us to know that. You see, it's so many things that we didn't know. But Yahweh in this last day and age has once again given an understanding through by a divine vision and revelation so that we might know him, so that we might be saved. And the work that Yahshua did was of salvation for you and I. That's what he did. That's why he came out of pure spirit. If you, as you see on this particular chart, and this chart states that Yahweh is spirit manifesting within the clouds, symbolizing eternity or Jerusalem above. And Yahweh in his pure spirit state, we have listed underneath that paragraph, we have listed nine principal divine attributes of wisdom, intelligence, and knowledge, love, beauty, and justice, foundation, power, and strength. It is so pretty what Yahweh has shown us. Here was Yahweh who you can't comprehend in his pure spirit state of existence, incomprehensible, inscrutable, indiscernible, and can't understand him. He desired to take on a superincorporeal shape and form of a man known as Elohim. In that state, that's where he showed himself to mankind in visions and in revelations. Because pure spirit, you can't see him, so he took on a superincorporeal state of a man. And that's what Moses said, shows over in Exodus, the 24th chapter. I don't have, I'm not gonna pull a whole lot of scriptures because I want to go and I, I'll tell the uh, 
the scripture readers right now, I want to use the textbook. I want you to get for me and hold for me. It's in volume four, and it is the um, actually this page after page 48. And then the next page is not listed, the two pages after, before the text began again. So it is the sanctuary of the body of Joshua compared to the sanctuary of Harold's temple. So I want you to get that and hold that for me because that's what I wanna talk about. This is three days and three nights and what happened and what the world don't understand. But back to this, let me just set up something, and I'm not going to be that long. I pray that Yahshua speak through whatever he has me to say regarding his purpose and plan today. This is not my story. This is his. But he so graciously shared it. And that's what we're so thankful for. He shared his story. And he shared it to his son. Because the world is not hearing it. It's just his son. Okay, so I was saying to you, this pure spirit state took on a super incorporeal state of existence known as Yahweh Elohim, seen in divine visions, understood in divine revelations. Right next to that figure of Yahweh Elohim in shape and form uh, is the tabernacle. So it's showing forth that he is an example. He is that tal uh, tabernacle. As it says at the top of this particular chart, Elohim is the archetype or original pattern of the universe, you see. And what Moses was seeing in that vision is the creation by the pattern. And it shows forth how that everything went according to this threefold structure of this pattern. Later on, the self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body. What? What are, you, what, are you, what are we saying? That that which was Yahweh in pure spirit took on shape and form in an incorporeal state and later came through the loins and manifested in a physical body looking just like you and me in the flesh. That was the body that Yahshua took on to be the supreme sacrifice of all sacrifices that are listed, okay? So I just wanted to show you that, that we're talking about this is Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua in the flesh. This is who came down and died a death of an outcast dog. It wasn't an easy death. He took upon the sins of mankind and he died this death. He died the death willingly, see? He didn't have to be forced to do this. He came in to do the will of the Father. So he came in fulfilling all the things that were written about him in the law and in the prophets. As we were instructed in Isaiah 8 and 20, I'll quote it, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light or no understanding in them. So what we, the premise of our understanding is going back into the volume of the book. Let me have Hebrews 10, where it says, uh, lo, I come in the volume. Just if you can just get that for me quickly, because I want to set the scene up that what Yahshua, what happened to Yahshua Messiah in the flesh and doing his death, burial and resurrection was already written 
I didn't know that. It was in what we call the law and the prophets or the Old Testament of the Bible. The law being the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. The prophets being the next 34 set groups of, of, of the Bible from Joshua to Malachi. They were all talking about Yahshua. The book was written about him. And all we thought is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we thought that because that's what they told us. We didn't know any better. So it took a savior to say, hello, this is the truth. This is how it really is. We didn't know the law and the prophets were types, allegories, similes, examples, pointing to the real, which was Joshua the Messiah. When he was coming, every jot and every tittle was written about him. The church world do not understand that. That's why they randomly, gibberly talk. They don't know what they're talking about. When you listen to it, you just shake your head and say, thank you, Yahshua. They are ignorant. They are dumb dogs. The scriptures talks about the, flock, the pastors leading the flock astray. They're telling them anything out there. And we see it manifested in this world. That's why Yahweh is a humbling Elohim. When you really see it, people, you say, thank you, Yahweh. You say, thank you, Yahshua. You know this. You know the truth. So he said to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light or understanding in them. So we're going to be obedient to what we have been told. We're going to go back into the scriptures just briefly. I just want to set this up for another speaker. The, the Another speaker, which is Joshua, because that's the only speaker. We don't want to hear us. We don't want to hear what I have to say. We don't want to hear what no man has to say. We want to hear what thus said Yahweh. You see what I'm saying? So let's go back into the scripture. Let's get the story of this lamb. See, because this lamb that's back there in the, in the, in the, oh, to first give me what scripture I asked for. Was that Hebrews 10? Yes, you yes. asked Hebrews okay. 10. I'll start at uh, five. Okay. Wherefore, that's Hebrews 10 and five. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Now, when he cometh into the world, and please excuse me, I'm going to have some reading done and I'm going to interject. I, I, I want you to pause every now and read so fast because I just want to make the points as Yahweh give them. Now, he said, go ahead and read. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Now, who's talking? He's talking about Yahshua the Messiah. When he came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not read. But a body has thou prepared me. That's right. In birth a body has thou prepared me. That's right. He prepared Yahweh from the foundation. Wasn't nobody else going to do this story? He came in prepared to die this death, to take on a body and to die. Or a body has thou prepared me, read. In burnt offerings mm -hmm. and sacrifices for sin, 
thou mm -hmm. hast had no pleasure. That's right. None of that, people. I didn't know that. That was all the way back there with the Israelites coming up out of Egypt in the wilderness for 40 years, a tabernacle was constructed and they had sacrifices that had to be made. Animals had to willingly or be sacrificed in order for them to live. Key point, someone had to die for the children of Israel, the chosen people, in order for them to live. That is a type it's an allegory. If you don't know the meaning of these words, do yourself a favor and look them up. It's an example. It's pointing to something of a reality. Go ahead and read. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. This is, is Joshua. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Nelson, read. Mm -hmm. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O Yahweh. What? I come in the volume of the book. What's the volume of the book? I personally never even thought of it. I want a reader. The volume is the largest part. It's the volume of the book. Now here's Joshua saying, lo, I come in the volume. People, that's the old, what we call the Old Testament. They called it in Hebrew, the Pentateuch, if I'm pronouncing it right. It was, it was the law, the prophets. He comes in the volume. What? What? Jesus was back there? Jesus wasn't, but Joshua was. And a type, and plus he was back there. He came through what the world calls Joshua. He picked up that body and laid it down at his will. See, these are mysteries only known to his son. You see, he said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will. Read. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O Yahweh. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful story. And that's what he did, that first physical law, that first sacrificial workings that they had to do. Took that away. And he came in as the ultimate sacrifice to abolish all that that was written. So I just wanted to set that up. So we're going to go back to the law. We're going to look at this migratory pattern. I'm going to move fast now because there, there are other speakers. I want to move fast through this. So I want you to, uh, the readers to be prepared. It's not that many scriptures, I don't think, but in the textbook, I want you to read. I you the textbook first? Um, uh, I, no, I want to go here. I want the scripture first um, you know, over in Exodus. And I just want, I'm going to recite it more than have you read and stuff. This is when they're taking out this lamb. This is the children of Israel that were, went through uh, the divided, uh, went through the devastation after the 10 devastating plagues. And they were getting up out of the plague stricken land of Egypt. 
Yahweh had decimated that place. He had tore it up. The children of Israel were subject to three of those plagues. And then the next seven of those plagues, they were not subjected to. I'm sorry, just one second. I'm sorry. So they were not subjected to it, those 10, um, seven additional plagues. Okay, these electronic devices, <laughs> you're turning it down and it still goes off. <laughs> Just strange, anyhow. Um, so sorry, I kind of lost my point. So anyhow, the children of Israel was coming up out of this land of Egypt. And prior to them coming out, they had to do something specific. The children of Israel, they're ready to resurrect out. And they had to take out this lamb. And this lamb, if you can pick that up real, for me really quick, this lamb had to have certain conditions. Go ahead and read. That's Exodus, the 12th chapter. Exodus 12 and 1. And Yahweh spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, thus you take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, <clears throat> excuse me, let him and his neighbors next unto the, his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Pause. Now, your lamb, these are points. If you're going to take notes, write them down. They're, as cru they're crucial points. The lamb shall be without blemish. It should be a male of the first year. Now, remember in the scripture reading, we read over there where Pilate had to come to those Jews that's telling them him to kill Yahshua. He says, why? I don't see any thought in him. That Yahshua is representing, or that lamb back here in Egypt is representing the lamb of Yahweh, which is Yahshua. Because when Yahshua comes in, his John, when he's doing the baptism, he's saying, behold, the lamb of Yahweh. I think that's in John, the eighth chapter, if I'm not mistaken. Yahshua isn't just arbitrarily calling himself a lamb. He's fulfilling the scriptures. So the lamb back here in Egypt is a type and a shadow of the lamb, the true lamb of Yahshua the Messiah. That lamb had to be a male. He had to be a male of the first year. Yahshua is the first of those that slept, or the resurrection, if you will. He's the first, you see. And he had to be without spot and without blemish. Go ahead and read. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, the whole assembly had to kill that lamb. Mm -hmm. 
This was an innocent lamb without spot and without blemish. The whole assembly with Pilate over there, he says, well, what should I do with Yahshua? If you remember the scripture reading, they yelled out, crucify him, crucify him. So it's the self same thing that's happened. He had to be killed because the lamb back in the law and the prophets was testifying of him. Okay. It's the seventh verse. And I want you to read faster. Just go ahead and read. And they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with okay, pause. Shall you eat it? So pause again. I'm sorry, reader. Now they shall take that blood and they're going to strike that blood on the two side posts of the house wherein they dwelt. They're going to eat or consume all of that. So here's Joshua the Messiah. When he comes in, they had to nail him to the cross. They had to nail him in one hand, the other hand, and the and then in his feet, that was a configuration with the crown of thorns that they thrust on his head. That's the configuration of the lamb that the children of Israel, its blood that they had to put on the, the upper doorpost, the two side and, and a basin held where the, uh, at the basin where they dip from the blood to strike it. So it's striking. Four points of blood, if you will. See, that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's the self-same thing. He is the lamb. Eat not of it raw, it says. Go ahead and read the eighth verse. Eighth verse. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Pause. Eat of it raw. Pause. They said they should roast it with fire. See, even these words, this is what the founder of this school brought out. Everything was significant, every jot and every tittle. Now, when you go over there again into the scripture reading lesson, it talks about they mocked him. They, they laughed at him. They said, you so great, you so bad, you be the son, get off of that cross. Remember, when I was reading that, when she was reading that, it made me think, back even the misunderstandings that we had here it says if you and talking about in these classes in the school that if you be the son of Yahweh get off that cross you save others but he can't save himself he didn't come into the world to save himself That's he came into the world to die you see wow. how foolish things are we take them and embrace them you know want to argue that he didn't he saved himself he didn't save himself that he's only saving himself was one of the misdirected things that was being said. No, he came in to save you and I. That right. was his purpose. That was his purpose. And we cannot nullify that, you see? So he had to be roasted the same way. You remember the Dean Martin roast and they will mock you and laugh at you. He they were roasting him as this lamb had to be roasted. And then the 10th verse, please read. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. So that whole lamb was consumed. Right. You see what I'm saying? And when Yahshua, when they came back to that tomb, he wasn't there. 
He was gone. Right. He resurrected a quickening spirit, not a physical body. So that consuming of that lamb back there was the same thing over here. You see what I'm trying to say, people? It's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. So now I want to just get right to the crux of it. Because that was the only way. Listen now, this is a type again. These are types, allegories, similars, examples to point to the real. That lamb was their way out. That lamb with the blood on the inside of their doors was the way they escaped. It talks about in and in the and go ahead and read the 12th verse. I'm sorry. And I'm I hope I'm I hope I'm not losing anyone or rushing. Start at the 11th verse, uh, Lauren. Sure. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded. People be ready. This is the point. We're seeing something here. I'm telling you, it's serious. Go ahead and read. Your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. Read. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. Stop. I never knew that. I never knew the scripture was in here until coming into the school. He's going to smite all both man and beast and all the gods of Egypt. I will mm -hmm. execute judgment. People, that's a type. You bring it all the way up here today. Yahweh has never stopped doing that. And he's not going to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. He is going to execute judgment on all the gods. My husband was just telling me today that he had read this morning, he was listening to the doxology, that this particular Easter is the, what I think he was saying in, in, in years, in decades, this timing of our Christian Easter, this period of time, is the same time as the Ramadan's um, celebration, the same time as the Greek Orthodox celebration, Muslims, the Greeks, mm -hmm. the Easter's Christian, all of it is happening at the same right time. Now. Right. Right now, everybody's worshiping false idols. Do you see what I'm trying to say? They mentioned that in Chicago. Jesus is a false idol. Sorry. That's what it is. The Orthodox, the Ramadan. All of it's wrong. All of it is not pointing to Yahshua because they don't know him. And Marvin was saying that this, ha this happened and you won't see it again, they said, in three decades. It's been decades since it's come at the same time. What is Yahweh showing us? These things are significant, people. That's my point. It's like everything is coming to a culmination. Not to scare anyone, but Yahweh is working his work. We're facing world, world, world war three. We're facing pandemics. We're facing all sorts of things. We better have Yahshua in us. We need his help. We need him. We need him to keep, as it says over here, he says, uh, 
uh, he says, and where is it where it says, and the blood, the 13th verse, Dr. Lewis, read it, the 13th verse. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When, when I, I see, the, I'm sorry, when I see the blood, I will pass over, not right. the blood on the outside of our houses on our doors and our porches. That blood has to be in us. When right. he see his blood, the blood of Yahshua in us, the resurrected Yahshua, he will pass over. That's the whole point of the Passover people from death unto life. So now stop right there. I'm gonna go real quick through that page in the textbook because I don't wanna say it. I wanna read what how Dr. Kenley explained this through by the divine vision that he had. It starts the sanctuary of the body of Yahshua, yes. Now, when you look at this, if you can bring it up a little so everyone can see um, the fullness of the pictures, if you could. Okay, and he's got plate one, sanctuary, light, sun by day, candlestick by night. So that's just the, uh, the plate of our uh, tabernacle, what we see all the time, the most holy place, holy place court roundabout. This was the tabernacle that was structured in the wilderness. This is the tabernacle that talks about Elohim as we have on the, on the Moses chart. It's the archetype original pattern of the universe. This is the pattern of heavenly things, okay? That they had to pitch out there in the wilderness. Plate two is the sanctuary of Yahshua. That's one of the pictures on our 40 plate chart, that sanctum of sanctoriums, you know, that is talked about over there in Revelations. Um, the, the, the sanctuary of Yahshua. Yahshua, everything points to him. His body is that sanctuary. Plate three, sanctuary of his body darkened on Friday, bloodshed. And then you see plate four, sanctuary, Harold's temple, darkened from the sixth to the ninth hour. See, these things were significant. The hours of the day were significant. Let's read about it. Go ahead and start reading. And again, I may interrupt you throughout it. I'll try not to because I think what, yeah, what is how Dr. Kennedy explains it is beautiful. Go ahead and read it. All right. This is uh, volume four. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say it's probably page 51. No, actually it's not. Well, it's page, yeah. The, the first page before that is page uh, 47, 48. And then it's a chart, the 2300 days shown. And then it's this chart, uh, the sanctuary. And then the next page is page 49, because I want you to read that as well. So just start start below the, the picture right here, Lauren. Right, start below right, that. Right. Okay. So you can just start so right So if here. you're dealing with the digital copy, it would be page 51, you guys. Okay. All right. <clears throat> the sanctuary plate number one is a figure of the body of Yahshua, see John 2 and 19, and was illuminated at all times by day from the light of the sun and by night from the light of the candlestick, which was trimmed and filled at nine o'clock in the morning and lit at three o'clock in the afternoon. Pause. I'm going to be pausing you because I want to point out nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon. I want you, I want those that are listening, 
pay attention to the very significant reasons that this was happening. Okay, go ahead and read. And by night from the light of the candlestick, which was trimmed and filled at nine o'clock in the morning and lit at three o'clock in the afternoon and burned through the night. The sacrifice was also offered at nine o'clock and three o'clock, being the figure of Yahshua, the true sanctuary, which was the light of the world and the sacrificial body for sin. John wrote of him in Revelation 1 and 13 and said, he saw one like unto the son of man in the midst of the seven golden stick, candlesticks. Excuse me. This okay. routine. Okay, pause for one second. Now this section here, he's ready to talk about Yahshua who was offered up. So listen closely because it's all going according to the same operation that had to be done in the sanctuary, you see, which is being, he is the true sanctuary. So you're gonna see that same principle, okay? Continue. This routine was interrupted on the Friday that Yahshua, the true sanctuary was cru crucified, excuse me. At nine o'clock, the hour of sacrifice, his body was hung on the cross, turning dark or lifeless as his blood was shed, coincide with the darkness of the sun in the sanctuary of the universe. From the sixth hour, 12 o'clock, to the ninth hour, three o'clock. Also leaving the sanctuary of Harold's temple in total darkness. It was one day that was known only to Yahweh Elohim, Zachariah Pause. 14. Mm -hmm. Pause. It was a phenomenal day. Right. This is what you, the understanding, how you're understanding his three days and three nights in the heart of the earth is going according to Yahweh's dictate of what light is and what darkness is, first of all, which I think we'll get into that on the next page. Uh, reading. So it's telling you what that is. Other than that, we wouldn't have known. You had two days and two nights in the Friday, the so-called Good Friday. There was two days and two nights. You see? So we already saw the mystery because they're saying he was crucified on Friday and resurrect Sunday. And if we count from our Friday early Sunday, that is not three days and three nights. You see, that's only two days. So they want to push him back to Wednesday that he was crucified. But Yahshua, through Yahweh, through Yahshua, through this divine vision and revelation, revealed to his son that this was a phenomenal day. That's what she had read over there in Zechariah, that it would be dark at noon because it was going to show forth and prove exactly what Yahshua was doing. So this, this was uh, completely phenomenal. Continue to read, please. It was one day that was known only to Yahweh Elohim. Right. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay, and then, okay. Now, this is different. It's different. I'm sorry, you guys. This is an electronic textbook. I have no idea. Okay, keep going. Keep moving. 
keep going. I want the section is on my in my textbook is page 49. Uh, what does it say at the top of the page? Does it say anything? No, it's, it's a continuation. Area? It's a continuation from page. So go back. It's actually a continuation from page uh, 48 is what it says. Right. But do you see the next caption? The next caption is it says continue from page 48 and then number one, the true sanctuary to which the 2300 day prophecy. So it goes and is listing. Um, I don't know I'm asking you after this topic that you're reading, there's a whole nother caption, a whole nother topic. If you can give me that, then I can do a word search. Four. Uh, it's not, Lauren. What I'm saying is the sanctuary of the body of Yahshua compared to the sanctuary. No, it's not conception, birth, and flight. I think you're... Uh, okay, it's back. It's, it's up. It's before conception, birth, and flight. Mm -hmm. So you can... And it's got a little chart where it shows prior to the phenomenal day and all that. It's on the page. It's at the I middle actually of have it, Lauren. Okay, we'll go ahead. I have it in the textbook. It's not, I don't have the online version, of course. Okay, that's what I'm trying to. Mm -hmm. If you were able just to tell me the next, you know, there's captions in each part of the textbook. Mm -hmm. On if this page, there's, this. No, there's no caption on this page. What precedes it, though, is the 2300 right. days. Right. Okay. Lori, on the electronic version, I think it's page 49. And I'm looking okay. at. Uh -huh. Yeah, that, right. Thank you, Dewan. The okay. time fixed by Yahweh. No, keep going. No, keep, keep going, going down, down Lori. Go down to the Friday Phenomenal Day. You'll see it when you come down. Keep going. Okay, so it's like it's gone from here. I don't know, this page, it would, right here. There you go. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry, everyone. But yes, that's what that is. It's a little different from the uh, electronic version. So if you can just start reading right at the top of that, and it's just giving you some highlights where you can see the comparison of the two. Mm -hmm. Start right there, number one. Number one, the true sanctuary to which the 2300 day prophecy related was the physical body of Yahshua in whom Yahweh Elohim. No. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Manifested himself to physical Israel. Pause. So that we've even talked about in, in previous classes about that 2300 day prophecy. And it is uh, relating to Yahshua the Messiah, which is the true sanctuary. So there's so many things that are revealed now that it's just, you know, we didn't understand in our church affiliation. Number two, please. That the Mosaic tabernacle and the temple that Solomon built were figures, types, or shadows of his physical and incorporeal body. That's right. They were types and they were shadows. The tabernacle was a type and shadow. The temple were types and shadows. The lamb was type and shadow. You see, everything was pointing to Yahshua because he said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So all those things that was done 
is pointing to Yahshua. Number three is where Yahweh revealed what day and night is, how you distinguish that. That's what the world don't know. Go ahead and read it, please. Number three, that in the creation, Elohim called the light day and the darkness he called night. Mm -hmm. Number four, that the light of life was going out in that sanctuary, his physical body, during the time that the light of the golden candlestick was out in the sanctuary or temple. The same timing. So it's just, he's the true sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So when it was getting dark, you know, when you, when you saw from 9 a.m., when it was getting dark, he's placed on the cross at 9 a.m. From 9 to 12, it's getting dark. It's likened into an evening. You'll see that a little further down. It was two days in that phenomenal day, two days and two nights in that phenomenal day Friday. That's the secret, people. <laughs> That's the revealed thing from our creator. Go ahead and read number five. Number five, that Yahshua represented the goat for the sin offering and also the scapegoat. In fact, all sacrifices meet their fulfillment in Yahshua the Messiah, because as it is said, sacrifices and burnt offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Six, the light excuse me, that the light in the sanctuary of the temple was snuffed out at 9 a.m. and that it remained out till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Further, that the sacrifice was offered up twice during the day at 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. and pointed to Yahshua. Uh -huh. Seven, that Adam, after his transgression, was driven out of the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day by an angel with a flaming sword. Mm -hmm. Eight. That Yahshua was crucified during what is termed daylight, beginning at 9 a.m. It began to gradually grow dim, the light of day diminishing to the twilight of evening till noon. After 12 noon, it then turned dark over the face of the earth from the sixth to the ninth hour, or from 12 noon till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. This phenomenal darkness is the same as the stingent darkness in Egypt during the plague of the death at that time of the Passover, being in the shadow of the death of Yahshua, who is our Passover. Mm -hmm. and then, yes, read this little diagram here. Because this is showing Friday. If you notice, it's Friday, phenomenal day, then Friday, regular day, then Saturday, one day and one night. So we have here Friday. When, the, when we were talking with Yahshua, when they came to get Yahshua, they placed him on the cross at 9 a.m. It was light. That's a day. Because that's according to Genesis when it says day is light, darkness is night. You see? that we have to go to the law and the prophets. So then you have 9 a.m. to 12 noon is a twilight. That's likened into an evening. As our evenings begins to come around, it starts to grow a little darker, a little, you know, the sun isn't as bright, you see? Then you got from 12 noon, no, go back where you were, please. Go back where we were 
And then I wanna see this, this is pretty. But if you can go right back to where you were, please. Then you've got from 12 noon to 3 p.m. is dawn to light, that's a day, that equals a day. Then at that time, when, the, when it became dark from 12 noon to three, that's darkness over the face of the earth. Do you see what I'm saying? That's completely darkness. And at 3 p.m., he yielded up the spirit and it gave light again. So here you're seeing, if you count every time you see in this little block a day, you have two days and then you have two nights. Do you see that, people? See, that is how right then and there, it's two days and two nights in that phenomenal day of Friday. Saturday, the Messiah is in the heart of the earth. And Dr. Kinley shows in his chart one day and one night. So when you count all the days in this little diagram and all the nights, now you see three days and three nights as the next verse indicates. And the Saturday that I wanna make mention is that he kept the Sabbath. He did everything to a jot and to the tittle. Now we thought that the Sabbath was Sunday. We always wanna to go to church on Sunday, that's the Sabbath, that's not right. The Sabbath is in the Jewish uh, um, custom is Saturday. That was the day that no work was to be done. So the Messiah is lying in the heart of the earth. His heart isn't beaten. His eyes aren't blinking. He is keeping the Sabbath. In other words, absolutely no work. So now this, the rest of this, go ahead and read Dr. Lewis. This gives you. This gives you the total of three days and three nights of Matthew 12, 40. The resurrection was during the very early dawn of the new day, the first day of the week, Sunday morning, Saturday being the Sabbath day. Uh -huh. By using the direct pattern of the time element associated with the daily internal priestly functions of the temple, starting with the outer court, the morning sacrifice was offered up at 9 a.m. in the morning, which also was the morning hour of prayer. At this time, 9 a.m., the priest went into the holy place or sanctuary to perform the services of Yahweh Elohim. The next sacrifice was not offered up until 3 p.m. in the afternoon, which also was the afternoon hour of prayer. The division between these two periods may be denoted by the hour of prayer at 12 noon, at which time no sacrifice was offered for any atonement or sins. Now in dealing with the sanctuary of either the Mosaic Tabernacle or the Herodian Temple, we find that at the same time of the daily sacrifices, the priest also had to fulfill his sacerdotal priestly functions unerringly with the golden candlestick of the holy place at 9 a.m., sacrifice, the candlestick was extinguished, and at the same time, its reservoirs were refilled to their capacity with pure beaten olive oil. At the 3 p.m. sacrifice, the candlestick was relit again to burn all through the night, extinguishing all darkness in the sanctuary. 
this candlestick was lit at all times with the exception of the time that it was out from the hours of nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. This is favorably compared with Friday, that phenomenal day at the crucifixion in which it turned dark from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., showing the light of life being extinguished in that sanctuary of the prophecy or the temple of his body. Okay, pause. I just wanted that read. This whole section is so pretty and it so clearly explains how and why Yahshua died on that cross and the method that, that he did and what we now understand how we can, by the scripture, prove that he was in the ground three days and three nights according to the scripture. You see, they cannot do that in the world, people is my whole point. And we have all been raised up in some form of uh, religious organization and we, it was never known. We didn't know. All of this pointing to Yahshua the Messiah, who is the true sacrifice. I want one last part, and that was, keep going down, uh, Lauren, after this, please note, there's a paragraph after that. You guys can read this on your own, but it's so pretty. Just this section, right? This immortal body. This immortal body in which uh -huh. the Messiah tarried for 40 days and nights in the holy place or the resurrection in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, appearing to his disciples 11 times before he ascended into the most holy place or heaven, brought life and immortality to light, or as Paul said in 2 Timothy 1 and 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life, excuse, to light through the gospel. The resurrected form in which he tarried shows that our redemption, both of the conscience and of the body, was purchased by the blood of the Messiah, who offered himself without spot to Yahweh for us, as manifested in his ascension into heaven, down to appear in the presence of Yahweh to make intercessions for us. And I think that's the conclusion of the entire matter. He did it and he did it to save us from that sin. And he says that he will remember our sin no more. I want one scripture and then I'm through. That's Luke the 23rd chapter and the 34th verse. Because the Messiah said something as he was hanging on the cross. And I think when we think about it, it, it was significant what he did. I feel um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. Uh, Luke 23, 34, please. That's Luke 23 and 24. 34. And, oh, I'm sorry. And 34. Then said Yahshua, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you pick it up to see where he's yes. at? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, that was 32, 32nd verse. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. Now this and is when he's hanging. This is when he's hanging on the cross. And well, there's a scripture that talks about he was um 
I can't remember how it goes, is that he was um, uh, uh, he was numbered with the transgressors. And it just brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. It's because there were two people on either side of him, a person on either side of him when he hung on the cross. And they were a murderer and a thief, I think. And they were uh, suffering this crucifixion as well, you see. So the scripture talks about then he was numbered with the transgressors. Now, Yahshua is not and was not a transgressor. He kept the law. He did not uh, sin. There was no sin in him, you see, but he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Our Messiah, our Yahweh, this great creator manifested himself, took on the form of a, of, of, uh, a, a, a guilty person, if you would, you know, came all the way down into this flesh to die the sin of a death of an outcast dog. So here he is when he's doing this, when he's dying, when he's willingly doing it, then he's saying, go ahead and read. 32nd verse again. Uh -huh. And there were also two other malefactors led uh -huh. him to be put to death. Uh -huh. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. That's right. Then said Yahshua, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Now, this is our Savior. Who can do that? Only Yahshua. He was hanging on the cross. And he said, forgive them. So what he was manifesting was what he came in to do. And Acts, it talks about, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Joshua for remission of sins. This is what he came in to do. And we shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Leviticus, he's talked about the bullock that they had to carry outside of the camp. It was a sin offering for the congregation. Now, remember. All of this is pointing to Yahshua the Messiah. In Matthew, it says, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for us for remission of sins. Forgiveness, that's the remission of sin. That's for the forgiveness. And he goes on to say, I believe in his palms, he will remember the sin no more. In Hebrews, it talks about without shedding the blood, there is no remission. So this was Yahshua's blood, not the blood of bullocks and goats. Those were only types. They never serve to be satisfaction to Yahweh. The only blood was of his son or himself. You see, people, it's so important. So that's why right now it's so important not to, for us not to diminish the work that Yahshua did. In Isaiah, he said he had poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressions and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. He made intercession for us to the father. That's why it's so important. If we in our understanding and our knowledge and come into a knowledge and understanding of our true savior, Yahshua, we give him all the credit. We acknowledge that he removed our sin people we're not supposed to be in sin now. Yeah. Foolish, do we do foolish and ignorant things? Yes. 
But Yahshua did an ultimate. He died for our sin. It's important that we know and understand that. And it still carries forward right now today. It's our only hope, our only salvation in these troubling times. This is the only way we will get out of this. Like the only way they were able to get out of that plague-stricken land of Egypt. Everything was decimated. Read about it sometime. The things that are going on right now is not a small thing. See the five minutes. It is something that Yahweh has purposed. And he says that the only way that we will be able to get out of this, as it says in Matthew's, the 24th chapter, those that endure until the end. Now, I'm going to tell you something, people. We can't endure on our own. We don't have the strength. We can't hear this gospel. We can't believe this gospel unless it's Joshua in us that's doing the hearing and doing the believing. You got to understand that. Give everything to Yahshua. Ask as much as you can in your heart and mind for his gift of the Holy Spirit. He is still giving. The day of Pentecost is still occurring, people. He still has that gift. He hasn't rescinded it. Now, let me, the scripture talks about, he ain't doing that cross no more. See, he did that once and for all. It was sufficient for you and me. He said, forgive them. Forgive them. Think about it. For they know not what they do. We didn't even know we were worshiping pagan. Easter is a pagan holiday. Pull it up. And the original thought process was paganism. The goddess Estral, I think if I'm pronouncing it right. And they incorporated that into the Christian holiday, you know, that he talks about all your holidays and holy days. Don't let nobody uh, talk. Don't condemn you in that. It's nothing to it. No Easter bunnies, no Easter eggs. They're celebrating the world over the resurrected Messiah. And they don't even know who he is and what he really did. But everybody's talking about all this resurrection. The Roman Catholic our, uh, radio station I listened to was all in another language. You know, all the singing and the speaking. And you don't even know what they're saying. You see, it's hypocrisy what is going on. A whole world worshiping an idol. That's what's going on. But Yahweh called us out of the world and gave us an understanding of him as he really is and actually exists. I know it's probably kind of jumbled with all the reading and whatnot, but I hope somebody got something out of it. We know that, yes, he was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and he resurrected on the third day. We know that. They don't. You see how he did it. I encourage everyone to continue on, fight the fight, love one another. It was the last thing that Yahshua did say in Matthews 5, 44, love your enemies. The passing of love, the passes knowledge. It's the love. So we preach this gospel in season, out of season, with the hope that somebody might come into a profound understanding of our creator as he really is and actually exists. And with those words, I thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. That was beautiful.
And now for our next speaker, we're happy to call also from our Southfield, Michigan class, Dr. Rhonda Brazil. Dr. Brazil. Good morning, brethren. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, my system may uh, freeze occasionally, so um, please bear with me on that. I am on and I will be right back. Um, it is so good to be here. As about that all of the religious world, there is a convergence during this time period of religious observations under several branches of religious thought. The Jews are celebrating Passover, the Muslims are celebrating Ramadan. There's all kinds of other um, religions. Christians are celebrating Easter. And you and I are here learning and understanding the truth about Yahweh. That is an awesome thing, folks. We could have been one of the millions in this world that are completely ignorant of the truth. That's right. But you are here. And the reason that you are here is that you have been chosen of Yahweh to be born again as a member of his body. The previous speaker um, labored and went into the understanding that Yahweh has imparted to us by this divine vision about the phenomenal day of Yahshua's resurrection from the dead, the process of his death, burial, resurrection. And I want to continue in that train of thought about the resurrection of the dead. I want to share with you uh, a a tidbit, a um, personal testimony. I was talking to an individual um, and this person uh, was going through a horrible time in their lives right now. And I mentioned to them about reading the Bible and asked if they had ever read the Bible. And they imparted to me that they have read the Bible before. They read the Bible from to cover. And it made no sense to them. Scientifically, this person said to me, scientifically, that doesn't make any sense. What's in the Bible makes no sense. Scientifically, there's no way that that could have been the, the case. So I, I just don't, I don't believe in it. And I thought about that and the, my mind immediately went to what most people um, would think about the days of creation, the six days of creation and that creation account in Genesis. But then Yahweh allowed me to reflect about all of these things in the Bible that just cannot be believed by your ordinary intellectual carnal mind. 
it just cannot be believed. What the previous speaker went through about the phenomenal day, we're talking about millions upon millions of people in the world who know absolutely nothing about that. And had they heard it, would not necessarily believe what you're telling them. Not only that, but as this person was expressing to me, you read in the Bible about Jesus's resurrection and millions upon millions of people in this world believe that resurrection was of a physical body, that he rose out of that grave of physical body. And no, that does not make scientific sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. That doesn't make, you've never seen, except in zombie Hollywood creative license movies, people coming up out the graves. But that's what the intellectual carnal natural mind gleans from reading the Bible mm-hmm. with its own power. The intellect of the natural mind cannot believe these things. And I want to get that scripture. The natural man. Paul talked about the dilemma of that natural man. Am I still with you? You are. Yes, you are. Uh, yes, that is um, that is 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. Okay. I want you to go up and start at the 12th verse. Mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. Wait, now wait. we, I'm sorry, you're going to have to start at one. Okay. Because that is getting the train of thought and understanding. And we're going to start it at, at, at uh, two and one. And it starts with the conjunction and. Well, we're not going to go back into the first chapter, but on your own, you go back and try to understand these things. Okay. And understand exactly what Paul is talking about when he's writing this letter to the Corinthians, the second. I'm sorry, this letter to the Corinthians. Go ahead and read two and one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of Yahweh. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Yahshua the Messiah and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He didn't come with man's wisdom. And Yahweh is not coming to you now in man's wisdom. It is not man's wisdom that understands that phenomenal day with the Messiah's death being on a Friday and his resurrection on a Sunday morning when he said he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And you don't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. That's not man's wisdom. That is the mystery of Yahweh in the spiritual operation of his purpose, spiritual operation to resurrect the Messiah from the dead and transform him 
from that physical body that was specially prepared to take on the sins of the world, consumed in the grave, and he rose a quickening spirit. There is no way for the natural mind or man's wisdom to read that and glean that from those books of the Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It cannot be done. So he is not coming. Paul is saying here, he didn't come with the wisdom of men, but in the power of Yahweh. Go ahead and read. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Yahweh. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Let's understand that is not what we are talking about in this teaching or in this school. We are not talking about the wisdom of the world here. And it is not our carnal intellect that is gleaning and understanding this. Okay. This is a spiritual process and transformation that has occurred with us just like the transformation of Yahshua himself from that physical body that took on sin to the quickening spirit that resurrected from the grave. That exact same transition. Now, everybody around the world who is celebrating Easter today is celebrating this as the resurrection of the Messiah, but they are looking at the flesh still. And as fleshly minds looking at the flesh, all they see is limitation because they're dealing with that physical. But understanding the truth of Yahweh's spiritual process, then you can understand the power of the spirit. And that spirit that must be dwelling in your vessel now. Not that vessel back there that was on the cross 2,000 years ago. But here in 2022 AD, they say, according to the Gregorian calendar, this same eternal spirit that resurrected from the grave and was poured out on the day of Pentecost in AD 33 at nine o'clock in the morning on June 6th for the Gentile. And on AD 40, nine o'clock in the morning, June 6th for the Gentile. I'm sorry, for the Jew on June 6th, AD 33. For the Gentile, AD 40. And thereafter are all those who have come to Yahweh, drawn to him and chosen to be a recipient of that spirit. Yes. That Pentecost is still going on for all those that believe. And that belief is not happening by your carnal intellect. That belief is happening by Yahweh's spiritual process of opening your mind to understand what he's saying. And this is a real thing in our current time right now. This is a very real thing. 
and it is absolutely necessary for your soul's salvation. So the wisdom of the world has come to naught or come to mean nothing. It's absolutely useless, which you can see in the current state of our world. This world and the current state that is then is by the wisdom of the, of the world right. and carnal intellect. And you see where it has got us. Keep reading. Seven foot. But we speak the wisdom of Yahweh hidden in a mystery. This is Even. A, this is a mystery. Now, when you pick up a mystery novel, that is not something that you read believing it is easily going to be understood. When those things are translated into screenplays and made into movies, we see these movies in Hollywood. We go and there's one, uh, uh, we think it's one pitch that we're looking at in this movie. And there's a twist in it and there's a completely different outcome than we expected. That's a mystery. This purpose of Yahweh and what he's doing is a mystery. And that's why the carnal intellect and the physical mind and the natural logical deduction cannot glean it because it is hidden in Yahweh Elohim and must be given or revealed by him. Go ahead and read. But we speak the wisdom of Yahweh in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which Yahweh ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the king of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, near, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which Yahweh have prepared for them that love him. But Yahweh have revealed them unto us by his spirit. Not our logical deduction. He delivered it to us by his spirit. Go ahead and read. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of Yahweh. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, the things of Yahweh knoweth no man, but the spirit of Yahweh. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of Yahweh that we might know that the things that are freely given to us of Yahweh. That's thing, know the things that are freely revealed to us of Yahweh by his spirit. As the previous speaker said, it takes Yahshua to teach it to us and it takes him to receive it in us or we wouldn't receive it. Keep reading. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Spiritual things with spiritual. So you have, and he's about to explain, you have a problem if you have a natural mind. You have a problem if you are using natural intellect. This has to be revealed spiritually. Read on. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh, for they are foolishness unto him. And that's what that individual was telling me. It scientifically makes no sense to believe in the resurrection of the dead. Mm -hmm. However, 
everything around you has shown you and you do believe in the resurrection of the dead. Everybody does. We're experiencing it right now in the change of the season of the year from the dead, dark, gray cloud of Michigan winter to the resurrection of spring. I walked outside one day and it was gray and cloudy and dark and my grass was brown and wasn't no snow and the trees looked all bare and I walked out, I got these plants that are outside on my patio that uh, I let languish over the winter. I have these plants out in pots that I let languish in the winter and I wondered, did they die? Are they coming back? And today I walked out there and these plants that are out here in these pots, these bushes that I'd never planted in the ground and still in the pot are budding. I said, look at that. The grass and turn green. And I thought to myself, this time next month, all of these trees will be bloomed. That's the power of the resurrection. That is the resurrection of the dead that everybody has seen all their lives. That's right. All their lives. The proof that there is resurrection after death. And listen, when I talk about, I got these old dead leaves on my ground that I got to rake up and get rid of and get my flower beds ready for the spring and the new plantings and the new ones coming up. These old leaves are not coming back onto the trees. They're going into the garbage. What you got is newness of life coming up on these trees. New leaves. That's right. Same old ones. So when he went down that physical body, that same old physical body didn't come up. It was a new body. It was a new creature. That's what's happening in your world around you. When that child is being born, that seed of the mother is buried within her and dormant until it interacts with the seed of the father buried in him and he must bury it in her. You don't see that like you do that seed, that lemon seed or avocado seed where you plant it in the ground, it's buried. You don't see that no more. You're not in there manipulating that to get it to resurrect. But when it comes up, it don't come up a great big seed. You don't get after nine months, a great big zygote or a, a, a sperm and an egg. You don't get that. You get a new creature. So when Yashua Messiah was buried in Joseph's new tomb, he didn't come up no physical body, same old flesh. No, he came up a new creature. And it must be understood that that spiritual process is what's happening to you right now. You are not being resurrected after the likeness of your old natural, negative, carnal, previous creature. That better not be what's happening. But you are being transformed. And I'm going to change that statement. You have been transformed into a new creature after the likeness of Yahshua's resurrection. In the spirit, an everlasting priesthood. That's where Yahshua is a priest after the 
order of Melchizedek. He didn't have a term of years like the high priest in the sanctuary. He was an everlasting priesthood. And he said he's made us kings and priests in the earth plane, not after the Aaronetic. The last uh, class I was in, workshop dealt with tithing and how the tithing was used to support the Aaronetic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood. Well, the Yahshua, after the order of Melchizedek, he'll need your money. He's an everlasting priest. That's what he's made you, an everlasting priest. That's a new creature. That's not the same old man. See, the natural man can't understand none of this. It's foolishness to him. It is, go ahead and read. But he, that's the 15th verse. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. I think we missed the 14th. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, we did. 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh. Now, understand that. That's why it is so good to be here. Because in order for you to be here, you needed to receive a divine invitation in order for you to understand anything that's happening here, as this scripture is saying, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh, for they are foolishness to him. Like that individual is telling me, it makes no scientific sense to believe that a woman who is bearing on her life and who has reached the age of 90, could have a baby. <laughs> that don't make no scientific sense. <laughs> and nobody would believe such a thing. <laughs> it has to take the transformation of your mind to believe Yahweh's power to resurrect from the dead that Isaac was born, as it says in Hebrews, he was received from the dead in a type when Yahweh allowed that woman to have a child or a virgin to conceive and have a child. What kind of stuff is that? That don't make any scientific sense to the natural mind. Those things are spiritually understood, not naturally understood. Now read what he says, neither can he know them. Now, the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of Elohim for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Right. You can't know this because it's spiritually discerned. Now you can read 15. But he that is spiritual judges all things yet he himself is judged of no man. For who have known the mind of Yahweh that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Yahweh, of the Messiah. We have the mind of the Messiah, a physical mind, a spiritual mind to understand these things. There is a very interesting, I see your five minute bell. There's a very, very interesting um, and an informative graph on page 55 in your Elohim book. 
page 55 is down from where you were just reading about the phenomenal day. And it's called Biography, History, and Doctrine. And it, the previous speaker labored to express to you that the scriptures, which are the law and the prophets, prophesied of what the Messiah would do. Well, this graph in the Elohim book actually lays out for you the law and the prophets that were prophesying of the Messiah's, um, what his mission was and what he came in to do and how he fulfilled it when he was here. I, I wanna go back and get <coughs> in this graph, <coughs> um, just the one that's pertaining to raised from the dead. And if you can see that down there, it has the first scriptures, Genesis 22, 1 through 18. And what Genesis 22, 1 through 18 is, is talking about when Abraham was told to take his son, his only son, Isaac, the son of his loins with his wife, Sarah. We just said, Sarah was 90, Abraham was 100. And they had this child. Genesis 22, 1 through 18 is when Yahweh told him to go sacrifice this child. And take him up and, and sacrifice him. Kill him. Now, Abraham did not waver at that because he'd already seen Isaac come from the dead. He already seen that in his very birth. He didn't have no problem taking him up there to sacrifice him. He is operating by the spirit of faith in that spirit of Yahshua Messiah being in him even back then. To believe Yahweh, as it says in the earlier scripture, Abraham believed Yahweh and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He was given the spirit to believe. And that same spirit caused him not to waver and to take that child, who was 25 years old by that time, up into that mount to crucify him, just as Yahweh instructed him to do. That's Genesis 22, 1 through 18. And the angel stayed his hand because Isaac was not going to be the sacrifice. That was what Yahshua was going to do. Yahweh seeing that Abraham had the faith and would not withhold his only son from him. He provided just as Abraham had told his son when his son asked, where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, Yahweh will provide himself a lamb for a sacrifice. So there was a ram caught in the thicket and Yahweh allowed him to use that ram. But when he made that statement to Isaac, Yahweh will provide himself a lamb for a sacrifice. That's when he came in, in John, being identified as the lamb of Yahweh, who taketh away the sin of the world. I was prophesied all the way back there with Abraham in Genesis 22nd. Now, I want you to get Psalm 16, 10 through 11. Dr. Nelson, can you get that, please? Uh, yes, I can. And then whoever else gets Acts 
227 and Acts 1335. And that was Psalm 16 and 10, correct? Okay. For thou will not leave my soul in hell. Uh -huh. Neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Now, hell and the grave are synonymous. So here in Psalms, it was prophesied. This is David, the psalmist, who's writing this. He's prophesied, you would not leave my soul in hell or in the grave. That's what Yahshua, he resurrected from the grave. He didn't leave him there. The one who was left there was Judas. He didn't leave that. He didn't leave Yahshua in that grave or allow him to see corruption. He consumed that body and he rose a quickening spirit. Get Acts 2.27. Acts 2 and 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, uh -huh. neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Keep reading. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Mm -hmm. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you this of is the patriarch David, that right. he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. So Peter is describing this to them on the day of Pentecost. That's Acts the second chapter. And he's saying that what David's writing ain't about himself. David's in the grave. But he's writing that about the Messiah who was to come. Keep reading. Mm -hmm. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that Yahweh had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Messiah to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of the Messiah, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. That's right. So now that was also the case with Abraham, that Yahweh had promised Abraham that he would bless all nations through his seed. He gave him that promised son, Isaac, so he knew that Yahweh would have to resurrect him from dead or he couldn't bless all nations in their feet. That was the lineage through which the Messiah came was Isaac, then Jacob, then the children of Israel, the tribe of Judah, and the rest of them. You understand? Yahshua was born of the tribe of Judah. So that had to occur. Isaac had to come back from the dead. And Abraham understood that. Just as David understood that, that Yahweh had promised him that there would be someone sitting on his throne forever, that the Messiah would have to come through. So he knew that that would have to be the case. But it's by the Holy Spirit that they knew that. Acts 13.35, and I'll be done. That's Acts 13.35. Wherefore he said also in another psalm, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Right, right. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of Yahweh, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Mm -hmm. But he whom Yahweh raised again saw no corruption. That's who he's talking about, Yahshua Messiah. Now listen, that same spirit that raised Yahshua from the dead is now manifesting in you. Guess what that means? Mm -hmm. That means that Yahweh, by his power, 
you understand, will translate that same power in you that transformed Yasha from that natural body to the spiritual one, will transform your mortal body into a mortally glorified body at his coming. Universal resurrection of Yahshua's side. And you also will not see death. Isn't that awesome? It is so good to be here instead of somewhere else practicing whatever carnal uh, renditions of some religious um, ritual. You understand? Thinking in your mind that that's what you are to do. It's so good to know the truth. And we do hope that you come back and study with us and learn something about Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. With those words, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Brazil. And that does bring a conclusion to our lecture for this afternoon. We want to once again thank our speakers for that beautiful discourse on the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, according to the scriptures. And we want to also acknowledge and, and thank our visiting brethren for coming out to visit with us. We will have a song after uh, the doxology is done. It, it will be the last song that was sung by the Southfield Choir at the Chicago event, but that will be after the doxology. We hold our classes here on Zoom every Sunday from 11.30 to 1.30, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. May we all stand in our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer, which is through the doxology, acknowledging and giving reverence to Yahshua the Messiah. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, <clears throat> excuse me, through Yahshua Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. <laughs>